0: So, um, this is uh, the season of Advent, and this is the second Sunday in Advent. Advent sort of has four main themes, and they are hope, joy, peace, and love. Uh, And they help us to sort of present the Christmas story, which is what the Advent is, Jesus entering the scene. And we talked about hope last week, and this week we're going to talk about joy, and what joy is, and how we experience joy, and what that looks like. So... That's where we're headed. That's the intro transition. Always a bad joker to. These were really bad, but that's okay. I was busy. I had a kid's thing today. What's the difference between Santa's reindeer and a knight? One slays the dragon, and the other's dragging the sleigh. Random thought Are fire ants like jalapenos to anteaters? It's not a joke, but a thought. I don't know. I don't know. What, cereal make, what cereal makes fun of you but doesn't mean it we tease, we tease. We tease. alright never mind scripture reading I told you they weren't good Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 14 did I hear somebody go oh <laughs> thank you that makes it funnier lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Blessed be the word of the Lord. I like that passage of Scripture. I always have. One of the reasons I I like that Scripture so much is I remember hearing it as a child um, because Linus would read it during the Charlie Brown special, and if you've been coming here for any of the time, you know I like Charlie Brown, and um, and the cartoons. And I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and so um, I didn't have any references, Bible or anything else. But when I got saved, you know, as a as a young man, um, uh, twenty, I was twenty-five, um, and and read those scriptures. All of a sudden, it sort of connected with me. Oh, well, that's what he was doing. I had no idea what was going on. And so ever since then, I've always really enjoyed that passage of Scripture and what it looks like and what it represents and what it means. And, and so I like that. And I, I enjoy watching the Charlie Brown thing as I like. And I just always look at the Christmas special along with the other ones. And, um, you know, there's there's something that goes on in that. Now, Charles Schultz, who wrote Peanuts, uh, the comic strip, was a solid believer And throughout the comics, when you start looking at them, if you understand what's going on, or kind of looking for it, you see there are a lot of references to Jesus and a lot of inferences to the Scripture and to Jesus. It's filled through there, and um, I like that a lot. Now, in the beginning of the Christmas special, um, Charlie Brown is sort of lamenting about how miserable he is feeling. And I love what Linus says. He says, Charlie Brown, you're the only person I know who can take a wonderful season like Christmas... And turn it into a problem. Of all the Charlie Browns in the world, you're the Charlie Browniest. And I get, I get a big kick out of that and what's going on and, and what that means. But, you know, the question comes, though, for a lot of folks, it's a, I think it's a very, you know, good question to think about. If you had one word to describe Christmas, what would it be? If you were honest, what would it be? And unfortunately, some folks would use words like headache, busy expensive, bothersome um, to a lot of folks Christmas is just another day, only a little more expensive and a lot more trouble and uh, it's sad to me that an event that brought so much joy in heaven could bring so little joy here on earth for so many people and and so I want to talk today about joy and what joy is and what joy looks like and and I want to say that you know um, that Christmas can be a time of joy, no matter how broke you are, no matter how busy you are, or how Charlie Brownie you are, uh, or how much stuff you got going on in your life after everything that we've been through. But, But joy is not merely an emotion, it's a decision. And it's really all about where you choose to put your focus and what that looks like. And so that's what I want to talk about as it comes to joy. So the first thing I want to say is, the, the most important thing we can be doing is we need to get our eyes on Jesus. Um, that's point number one. Fix your eyes on Jesus. So as a follower uh, of Christ, um, it, it means, that, you know, fixing your eyes on Jesus means not only remembering the, the Savior in the manger, but remembering all the time the Savior in your heart. Um, remember that as we celebrate the birth of Christ that, that He indeed came and He grew and ultimately lived a perfect, sinless life and went to the cross on your behalf. He paid for your sins, defeated death, rose again so that you can have a brand new life in Him and that He lives in your heart today and just that should produce in us a measure of joy no matter what we're going through. As a believer... Um, The life that we have in Christ is, is, you know, beyond compare. And even in the harder things of this temporary life, because of all he's done for us, we should always be able to to settle in the fact that he's with us and for us and he's got us and that everything is temporary that we're going through until we're with him. Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So, sort of, first off, it's uh, just kind of remembering who Jesus is, what He did, why He came, what it means, and the life that I have in Him. And and so, you know, by keeping our eyes on Jesus, we'll make sure that we don't get so caught up in the stuff around the event. Um, that we're missing the reason that we celebrate in the first place. So we don't want to do that. So always make sure your eyes are on Jesus. And then, you know, I think when people ask me why I like Christmas, I always say, well, it celebrates the one that I love to talk about anyway. And it sort of puts people in the right attitude for the most part to talk about him more and to explain that stuff. And so I love this time of year. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I like to talk about Jesus all the time, but there 's just something about it and when you start adding the lights and the stuff and all those other things, I think it 's wonderful and people you know giving gifts and all those that I, I love that stuff. it celebrates you know what it 's all about so eyes on Jesus so we don 't sort of miss the importance of it all and then all those things shouldn 't become just busyness and headache and and uh, uh, all those things are going on so uh, you know Knowing that, that Jesus, you know, not only was He born in Bethlehem, but by, by faith He lives by His Spirit in me, that should fill us with joy. So as I sort of thought about that, then I, I thought, well, uh, maybe we should talk about this a little bit. So point number two is this, well, then what is joy? Follow that should fill me with joy, what is, what is joy that we're talking about? And what does it look like? So let me give you a, a definition for joy that I think works. I think it's very helpful. Um, in this whole process. Joy is a deep, durable delight in God that ruins you for everything else and anything else. It's, it's see, cause, see, once you get this, once you get a hold of what it means to have life in Christ, now and forever, once, once that sinks in, once we realize what He's done for us, everything else pales in comparison. And so when that's our understanding of joy, it really helps to change our perspective. So joy is this deep, durable delight in God that ruins you for anything else because nothing else compares to it. And, and that really helps us then stay joyful and understand what joy is and appreciate joy. It's what we have in our relationship with Jesus. So the, the final goal of life um, isn't isn't even, you know, forgiveness, which is a wonderful thing. We needed to be forgiven. And it's not any of God's good gifts. The final goal of this life is, is ultimately God himself experienced as your exceeding joy. So you get it when, when, where all this begins to make sense is that you're experiencing your relationship with God in such a way that, that he is your exceeding joy. That's where he wants you to end up. That's how he has designed us to live this life. That He's the source and the focus of all our joy. And when we get that, that's what this is, what's going on in our relationship. It really changes the way we look at everything else. So we're still going to have temporary fallen world, broken planet stuff that we have to deal with. But it doesn't need to steal away from you the amazing joy that we can have in Him. Remember, Remember what I said joy was, right? The deep, durable delight in God. It ruins you for anything else. See, that's the goal. That's what you're looking for is that kind of relationship with the Lord. The psalmist said this in Psalm 43, 4, Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. So that's a great way of thinking about it. See, He's our joy. He's our delight. He's where we find life. He's come that we can have life in Him. It all begins to make sense. And so that's what we're talking about. Don't confuse joy with um, happiness, because happiness is cool, don't get me wrong, but happiness by its nature, happiness comes from the word happenstance, which is based on circumstance. It's the same word. And so your happiness is based by happenstance, based on circumstance, and your circumstance, how many know your circumstance can change pretty rapidly? Like, boom, right? Circumstances, you could be having the best day, one phone call, one text message, one news report, one anything. All that can change. And if you're basing your happiness and your life on your circumstance, it's too quickly to be changed. Joy is different. It's that deep, durable delight in God that doesn't change. So your circumstances can change. And, and you know, I, don't, don't get me wrong. I understand the impact of some, but they don't need to steal away from you this joy that we can have. So that brings up the third sort of point is, well, can we really experience joy always? Can, we, can this be a lifelong thing? Paul said in Philippians 4 4, most of you will know this verse if you've come here for any of the time. Rejoice or be joyful in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. So Paul is saying that is something that we can experience. And, and that's a pretty intense deal. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice always. Rejoice in the Lord always. That word always means always. Thank you. So that's what's supposed to be happening. And, and it's this idea. So how do we deal then with hard stuff? Because the reality is we experience difficult things. Right now all of us could say we're, we're dealing with difficult things. But even not just this, in the rest of our lives, you know, in the things that we go with. So little letter A. So can I be joyful in my brokenness? In my brokenness, in the areas where, you know, there's, there's so much room for improvement and, and so many people get stuck in their past failures And the thoughts of their past failures, or they get stuck in their present faults that they can't experience this deep, durable light in God. Because that takes over. Um, You know, in the enemy, we have a very real enemy who doesn't want you to be experiencing this kind of joy. So he tries to pound you with guilt and shame. Guilt over everything you've done. Shame over the areas of your life that aren't quite, you know, up to where they need to be at as the spirit of God works in them. But, But see what you need to know is that as the Spirit lives in us, He's at work with the, us and and we're in process. And because we're in process, it doesn't mean that we're we're not, you know, trying to live this life the best that we can, but we, we still have issues that He's working on. And the stuff that we've done is just stuff that we've done. Paul said this in Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. One thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I love that the apostle Paul said that. He said, listen, this life is it's a struggle. We haven't got it all figured out yet. We're in process. But, but knowing that we're in process allows us to continue to press on in the Lord. And so, you know, grace to you for all sorts of things in your life. Grace to you for the stuff that you've done that you shouldn't have done. Okay? It's just, we, we all have those things. Grace to you for those areas where the Spirit of God is at work and you still, as you continue to yield to Him. It's a process. I'm not, I'm not saying don't cooperate with the process. We're just saying don't let the enemy steal life away from you because you're, you're in process. We're all in process. And we've all got areas that He's at work on. You know, it's part of this walk. You know, this, the whole idea of the Holy Spirit working in us is called sanctification. And it's a process that is not completed until we're face-to-face with Jesus forever. It's ongoing in this life. It's a process. And there are always things that we'll be working on as we yield to Him that He will work on with us. So it's process. So, you know, let me just encourage you in your brokenness, yield to the Spirit. Press on, just like Paul. Just keep pressing on. The stuff that you've done, okay, we've all done that, but grace, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep pressing in and pressing on so I can have life and experience with him. Little letter B. I can be joyful even in my grumpiness. Anybody here ever grumpy? I always think of the old joke, you know, sometimes I wake up grumpy, sometimes I let her sleep. But I can't say that ever. <laughs> I'm the one. It's me, really. So anyway, but it's a, it's a bad joke, right? Some people have a tendency to be grumpy or pessimistic about life. Um, it's a melancholy. But see, in Christ, we don't have to live that way. And and sometimes you know, I, and I think that's a reality. I mean, sometimes I feel grumpy and I'm wondering what's going on. And It's usually my perspective's off, and I'm not not really experiencing the Lord the way that I should. Paul said this in Romans twelve. One and two, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, when, when we're, we're feeling grumpy, we need to sort of catch ourselves. And instead of just being grumpy and putting our grumpiness on everybody else, we need to wonder what's going on and, and you know, be transformed. Just say, I don't want to live grumpy. I don't want to let the things that are making me grumpy have that much control and power over my life. Because ultimately, I stumbled into the best deal in the universe. I mean, you know, I think about that all the time. I, for, from uh, Nothing that I've ever done warrants the relationship that I have with God. Nothing. And, and the fact that I have it constantly puts me in awe because I know I don't deserve it, that God would want to be friends with me. blows me away because I know me. And it's like, what an amazing deal that is. And so, you know, ultimately when I'm starting to feel a little grumpy, I'm like, what do I really have to be grumpy about? he's he's with me he's for me he's got me it's an amazing thing so i can experience that that you know amazing joy in him that delight in him little letter c how about in my circumstances can i really be joyful in my circumstances and you know we talked about happiness and circumstance no way around it sometimes life is hard it's much easier to be joyful when things are going well it's just a whole lot easier to be joyful when you're not driving down the street looking at piles of debris, which seems to be what's really taken a lot of people out right now. They're just so tired of seeing debris <laughs> that, that it's, it's wearing them down. And, and I get that. But um, ultimately, even these hardest times can, can help us that we can find out how to be joyful in them still. James said this, James 1, 2 and 4, 2 through 4. And this is a, a tricky verse. Consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish at work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, that does, that's not a whole lot of fun, that verse, but it's very good to have in the bank. It's very good to know that, that what he's teaching us in difficult times, what the Lord does, how he redeems a time, and we talk about that, is one of the things that he teaches us is to be people that persevere. So we keep pressing in, and we keep pre- pressing on, and we know that he's got us, and he's for us, and he's with us, and that these things are going to continue to change in him, and we just got to keep pressing in and looking on, and, and, and looking forward. And, and so he helps us to persevere. There's something about perseverance that is really important in this walk and in this life that we're people that that just keep pressing on. We don't we don't give up because we don't need to. Because he's got us. He's for us. We've got the very best thing we can have in him. So even in our difficult circumstances, we can experience that durable delight of God in our lives. I'm not saying we have to like so this you know, this idea of being joyful is never that you have to put something on that's not real. You know, nobody wants you to be fake happy. All right? Cuz that's that's nothing worse than fake happy. You ever meet somebody that's fake happy? You can immediately tell it's fake happy, and you're like, oh, no, I don't, it's not that's fake happy. Don't be fake happy. But but you know what we want is that that inward settledness in the Lord. And we can experience it all the time. Here, uh, little letter D. How about in other people's circumstances? So the reality is when people that we're in relationship with are struggling, we can't act like I was just talking about all happy. Because the last thing you want to do with someone that's really struggling is go in and, you know, tell them, hey, you need to be happy. That's, that's not good advice. Um, Romans 12:15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice, but mourn with those who mourn. See, the reality is we want to share joy where we can, but we also need to be able to help people that are mourning. I love the dynamics in the kingdom of God because a joy shared is twice the joy, but a difficulty shared is half the difficulty because other people pick it up with you. And it's, so it's a wonderful thing in the process. So, so we want to appropriately, you know, rejoice and mourn where we need to. And, and so one of the things that we can do when people are going through their difficulties is we can speak words of encouragement. But they need to be without cliché. Don't, don't drop clichés on people in difficult times. It's the worst thing you can do. All right? Just kind of th- just think about clichés and don't use them. Sometimes with somebody going through things, you want to you know, really ask God to give you the right words to speak. Or just, just the, 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 there's a ministry of just being with somebody in a hard time. The ministry of presence is very important. Where you're not trying to fix it, you're just there. And you don't have to, even though we want to say something, sometimes we just don't. Proverbs sixteen twenty four: Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bone. So, so if there's, the Lord gives us something to speak, we want to do that. Finally, point four. Our ability to experience joy, this joy we're talking about, is always found in the Lord. And, and I love that it, it happens in the context of relationship with Him and even in the, the, you know, the difficult things. Uh, Paul says in Romans 5, 1 and 2, Since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into His grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we, we, we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So he helps us. Uh, this grace that we stand, it's an amazingly helpful thing. He helps us with temptations in line. First Corinthians ten thirteen. no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under. I love that about God. That when, when, you know, sometimes when we're in difficult times and we're not feeling very joyful, maybe we're a little grumpy and we're not liking the way things are going on, we might be a little easier swayed to do something that we shouldn't. But God is so faithful. He always makes a way out for us so we don't have to go in that direction, which is not where we're going to find life. He's always with us. The writer of Hebrews said this in Hebrews thirteen five and 6. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? And this list goes on and on. If you remember last week, I was talking about the promises in the word that, that you know, look, look for the promises. There's so many promises that he gives us, that he's with us, that he's for us, that he's got us. And, and when we know these things in life, then we can really settle in and experience that joy in the Lord, that deep, enduring delight in God, which is what we're talking about, which is part of what happens because of the Christmas story. And I want you to experience that joy this year, this season, even now, like a, like, like a, like a gift to unwrap. It's the best gift you'll unwrap this year. If you, if you already know Jesus, that would be the very best gift that you would unwrap Him. But if you already know Him, unwrap this joy that you can have in Him and experience that and let that flow through you and impact the lives of others. So that's where we're going to end it today. If you're watching my video, we appreciate you doing that. Come and visit us when you can. We'd love to have you here. Go to the website. There's a prayer page. If you need prayer, we'll pray for you. We hope to see you soon.